of sasslife.fm. I'm Chris. Sam, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing pretty well, too. I see a little sweat dripping there. Is that... <laughs> is that uh, <laughs> because you're having a baby in a week? <laughs> uh, yes, we are getting very, very close to new baby day, and my wife and I are very excited. We're trying to get all of the items off the checklist frantically this week it's our last weekend uh presumably before before they arrive and so yeah it's and we have we have mother's day coming up and so there's just a lot of activity right now we're very excited but man it's um there's a lot to do <laughs> and you can never be fully prepared either right you know it's just one of those things like you try your best and so we're we're gonna lean into it we're pretty excited but man it's uh been uh it's here it's it's you know, that's all you can say it's it's right here. Well, the anticipation is fun, but it's going to be even more fun once yes. you're over that step and you've got two. Yes. And I think that's what we're excited about is obviously going through the, the whole process and then coming home and, you know, getting, getting the, I mean, we don't even, we, we, we chose not to find out. So we, we don't even know if it's a boy or a girl. So that's going to be exciting for us to definitely oh, awesome. get that I didn't surprise. Realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have no idea. So we'll be surprised and you know, bringing them home and, you know, having having their older sister meet them for the first time. So we're excited about all that and just kind of settling into that new routine. And like you said, finding that new new family dynamic. And um, we're really excited for it. Well, I have to say, I am a little jealous. I feel like your timing is perfect going just into summer here so the baby can play outside a bit. And yeah. Weather's nice. Go for walks. Good well, time. we were just we were talking about that. So our, our oldest was born in October. And so... That same time, I mean, we, we went into the dead of winter, you know, shortly after, and you can't get outside, you can't really do little walks. So we're really interested to see how this one's going to be in, in that you just have a lot more outside time built in, which for that newborn stage with our, with our daughter, it was really tough because it gets dark at like four o'clock and it's yes. cold and you're just yes. inside all the time. So I think for a lot of reasons, this one's going to be different and it just the, the seasonality. So we're, we're excited about that too. Well, congrats. So we'll, yeah, thanks. We'll... Yeah. I've been enjoying the good weather too here, making more time for some home projects. So Oh yeah. Yeah. We um working on the office. I mentioned that last week. That's going, but as you can see in the background with the two by fours, <laughs> it is not done. <laughs> so getting that knocked out hopefully uh in the next two or three weeks is is the goal. And then we also are going to build a deck. Which oh, I my wow. dad build a deck, you know, many, many years ago, <laughs> but now it's my turn. So to me, that sounds like one of those projects that you're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. It seems like simple, but then you really get into it and you realize what it entails. Like, you don't want that thing falling off the back of the house. So <laughs> there's like a lot that goes into it, actually, surprisingly so. So uh, do you, how, how's that going so far, the planning? The planning is going well. Actually. Uh, <laughs> We're worried about I, the execution, though. <laughs> the execution will be another story. No, I, th I think it will all go well. Our deck is going to be very simple, like okay. almost on the ground. So, you know, Got the floating it. deck, like six inches off the ground. So we don't have safety issues. Uh, the floating part means it's not going to be tied into the house. So we won't have that issue. And it also means we don't have to go down below the frost line um, sure. with footings which is like 60 inches or something here in Montana. So I don't know. It seems approachable. Yeah. Ask me in a few weeks. 
Okay. So is this is this do you have a deck currently or is this a, a replacement or an expansion or no, we have a patio currently. Oh, okay. A concrete patio. And when we designed the house, we thought it would be really cool and, and modern and you know, just kind of like segmented. And it is all those things, but it's also terrible because it's separated <laughs> by like all, all the concrete blocks are separated by pea gravel. Oh, and I gotcha. So yeah. if you've got a dining table out there, the chair sinks in and it's it's a pain in the butt. So we're gonna put a nice wooden deck there. It'll be nice and level. Hopefully chairs will not be tipping over and we'll be enjoying some El Fresco dining. Nice. So more usable. So that, that sounds great. Well, I wish, cool. you, I wish you the best. We, it sounds like we both have our independent projects coming up here very shortly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, I've been working on all kinds of other projects. It's been kind of, kind of whack-a-mole project week for me. It's been really satisfying, though. So tons okay, well, of... Yeah, administrative debt, I would say, that I've been paying off. Cool. Uh, well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What, what kind of things were on your list and what are you getting done? Yeah, I'll start with one that is maybe not relevant to everybody. If you are kind of more of a self-serve SaaS business, I'm jealous. But in our world, on the enterprise world, we use phones. So, you know, sales phones, support calls, et cetera. I set it all up a while back with an actual physical desk phone and it all went through free PBX, which is kind of the PBX or phone operating system, you know, allows for anything under the sun with IVR, press one for sales, two for accounting, etc. transferring to other people, all, all the silly things that we think we'd be over, but still use. Problem was that was really complicated to maintain because it was totally spun up. It was kind of a fun project to get into, but totally spun up and self-hosted, etc. So migrated that over to a platform called Dialpad. And I've been looking at different platforms for a long time. We've used Grasshopper is a big one. Call Hippo is another one that a lot of people use. The one thing none of those had was the ability for text messaging. Yeah. And that was big for us. And not just text messaging, but MMS. So the ability to send photos and, and other media. We use that all the time for customer support. What? Right? You mean people use text messaging for business? <laughs> I hear they even buy things through text messaging. Yeah. I'm not that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. No, in our, in our world, though, getting that, getting that message and, and actually being able to see a photo of what they're looking at, sometimes it's basically a screenshot because they're out in the field and disconnected from internet. Sometimes it's, hey, show us the wiring on, on your camera system all of those things, but that came with a huge downfall. I mean, now having been in this business for as long as I have, so many end customers have my cell phone number. Mm, your personal number. My personal cell phone number. Yeah, that's, that, that can be dangerous. <laughs> yes, and they are not afraid to use it. I love talking to customers, but I don't love phone calls at 5 a.m. and demanding to speak to someone, et cetera. So it's really just not efficient. So my dream for the past year or so has been to set up a business phone system that allows for text messaging and migrate my personal cell phone number to become my direct line on my work phone. And I have now finally done that. And it is a beautiful thing. <laughs> that is great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, 
when you start getting into that habit of you mentioned the 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 image messaging that it's so hard to convey problems sometimes through you know either over the phone of like describing what that person is going through or the the challenge that they're running into sending that photo can just clear it up for everyone and so to retain that ability is or that capability is 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 key yeah it it was a really critical thing for the feature i was looking for did not know dialpad existed and they've been great. Their customer service has been great. In fact, uh, we'll have this be a mini preview of things I'm I'm into. So, yeah, dialpad.com. So this is now your, are you going to get a new personal number? Is that the kind of the, the plan? This is kind was of... part of the dance, yeah. So I learned another thing, which is that iPhones, or at least relatively new iPhones, I think I have an iPhone 11, support what's called an eSIM. And so oh, the way okay. that I started this out, because I could not afford to have any downtime because I do get... Right. Calls, and I get personal calls, you know, if the kid's school is on it as my cell phone. So what, what I did was I actually added a second line to my same phone. So I had two phone numbers going to my iPhone. Nice. And then I ported over that number, my original cell phone number to dial pad, which uh, can take a couple days is what it ended up, but it can be up right. to a week. And you're not down during that time. It's just, you know, that's you don't know which takes. Yeah, you, you don't, just know don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, you don't know which system is going to handle those calls and those messaging. Right, right. So I wanted it to be seamless. And I have the Dialpad app. So, you know, as soon as it switched over, you I was it. receiving calls through yeah. Dialpad. But anyway, so I had two lines going for a little while. Now I only have one, which is great. The only downside is I think whoever had the number that I currently have before me. Oh yeah, sort of dabbled in some websites or other content yeah. that now I am getting text message advertising <laughs> for. So, <laughs> but you know, you think about it. When was the last time you've changed? I I can't remember. I probably had my number since high school, and the the thought of having to change it is daunting. I mean, it just it's it just has so many implications that you don't really think about. But it's something that's been attached to you for so long. So I'm glad you can navigate that because it sounds like a challenge, but, but I'm in the same boat too. A lot of my customers have my personal number and I know the feeling where it's like, I love talking to customers, but you want it to be on your own terms or at least go through some sort of your own channel or process. And to just have that call come in on a Saturday afternoon, you're just like, Oh man. Okay. And frankly, it's better for the customer too, because I'm, one person, obviously, right? Exactly. Uh, if they're yes. calling in, you know, we've got Tim and support who's fantastic. At this point, he's going to do a better job helping them anyway if it's a support-related issue. So don't wait for me to call back. Well, and, and not only that, but with something like a dial pad, I'm assuming that you can do like rollover plans. So it first calls Tim, and then if he doesn't answer, you can roll over to something else, and then you can roll over to another number. So they will get either someone or it'll go into a common voicemail box which people are checking so it just you're absolutely right it ultimately is better for the customer and gives you more of an opportunity to expand that customer support role through phone support exactly that is done but it took a very long time we've been chatting about that for at least a year of different solutions and different ways you could do it and so i'm glad you found found one finally yep yeah so happy with that happy to have it over so that i am not spending more time with Verizon on the phone because that was also probably <laughs> five hours total. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The carriers, 
customer support is not their their forte. It's like the cable company, you know, it's just, you dread it. Yeah, exactly. Also started working a bit more on our help site. So we, I think I've mentioned, we, we use Zendesk. I don't particularly like Zendesk, but it checks the boxes for us for now. Used to use Help Scout, much preferred Help Scout actually, except that they do not link individuals to an organization properly. And so for in the B2B world, it's really critical that if somebody has a support issue, we can also see other related support issues from that particular organization. So that was a deal breaker on Help Scout and Zendesk does allow for that. It's just much clunkier. Yeah. Well, which is which is a need for you because you might have a single client, the business or the the municipality, but they might have, you know, half a dozen people working with your software. And so to be able to know that they all are connected and related, it's one account for you, but it's multiple individuals that might be submitting those tickets. Yeah, exactly. So so we did settle on on Zendesk. We've been using it for a while just on the ticketing side, but we're finally starting to work on the knowledge base, self-serve side, trying to figure out the best way to approach that from a content perspective, leaning toward actually hiring somebody who can take draft articles that have been written by anybody in the company. And we all have slightly different styles and probably slightly different comfort level with, uh, with producing written content. But if we can hire someone who can take the content and make sure that it all has one voice, one style, et cetera, trying to poke at that a bit. But the big thing as far as administrative debt has been migrating it over to the pipetech.com domain, uh, relinking it up to Slack, and then starting down the process of other messaging channels like chat and self-serve. So made some major strides there and set the foundation to be able to finally do that, which was exciting. And speaking of pipetech.com, also finally giving myself a deadline of end of next week, we will have a marketing site up. It's going to be a single page. It's going to be pretty simple, but it will be, be there something. and it'll be something. So Yeah. Yeah. That's poking around with Webflow templates. There you go. There you go. Well, I've been told by by my agency that we should be about a week or two away from launching the new text retailer site, marketing site. So we're we're <laughs> right in there together, uh, same timing of, of getting something up and running. And so that's exciting. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you seen what's coming then? Have you previewed it? We, we've, we've done a lot of, we've had a lot of design, a lot of content meetings. I'm pretty happy with it uh, as far as what I've been presented. It's just, and, and I've worked on the flip side, so I know where the agency's coming from, where they're like, it's not quite ready to show you. And then, so it's this weird waiting period for, for me as the client. And I totally get it because they're like, we don't want you poking around and giving us a, you know, a three-page list of stuff that we know that we're going to have to complete anyway. So I'm waiting for that. So that's supposed to come next week of kind of like, here's, we're going to give you access to the back end. We're going to give you access to the preview of the test site. And so I'll be able to poke around. And I think that'll become a lot more concrete and real. And I'm really hoping to give the the final thumbs up before <laughs> before that, the new baby. And it can just be like, okay, new site's up and can not have to worry about it. So it'll be fun navigating that um, all on paternity leave. But uh yeah, it's going to be, I'm excited for it because the, it's it's bringing the marketing site really up to date. There's a lot more features that we've built since that first initial 
initial draft. And that's that's a challenge that I hear from a lot of other SaaS owners is their features tend to outpace their marketing site. And so they'll have all these great new features, all these new things that their current customers are really enjoying. And they're not telling anyone about it because it's not on the marketing site. It is amazing how much goes into that. You've got the feature development itself, of course, but then there's updating the website. There's email. You know, if you're doing a really good job, you're actually segmenting your email list and looking at somebody who will really benefit for that or maybe has asked for that in the past. We don't do any of that, but it's one of those things that I go, man, there is a lot of opportunity there. It's just a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Yeah. And that's the thing is you think that as soon as you push out that new feature, oh, it's done. <laughs> it's not because you can have the best feature in the world, but if no one knows about it, it's not helping you. So it's it's a matter of getting that into that that marketing pipeline of everything you just described. And it, it does take a lot of work and it, it's a challenge to kind of keep it up and running. I mean, it's almost like you want to think about not only what is the feature going to do, but how are we going to market it after the fact? And I, I know I have a lot, a lot of room for improvement in that, in that space. Yeah. Months ago, we kind of talked about change logs and whether or not you kept yeah. one. And, and I know I had mentioned that it's something that I would love to do, but I'm a little bit of afraid of the commitment right? Because once you start it and you start posting your changes, you've got to keep up with it. What happens if you go into a deep refactor and nothing comes for, you know, X number of right. months or whatever? That's always a challenge of, yeah, do you expose that change log or is it just kind of more of an internal tool? One of the tips that came out of MicroConf, which I thought was really interesting that, my, that Rob shared, I think it was Rob, he suggested a marketing change log of just something that you keep internally of anytime you do kind of like tweaks to your marketing plan or make updates, you just wrote a small note into this change log. And that can help you when you're looking back on effectiveness of different marketing programs, have a better sense of what you've actually done in the past. So like, oh, we launched this new website or we launched this new landing page or this new campaign was put in. And then you just have a running tally of all of your marketing efforts in one spot. So you can kind of see the effectiveness. So I thought that was a really neat tip. So I might, I might actually start doing that internally. Definitely not exposed to your customers, but sure. just a nice, nice thing to have. Oh, interesting. Yeah, as I'm starting down the marketing road, maybe I'll try the same and see how it works out. Yeah, so that's kind of been my, my world. I mean, I guess the other thing that we've been really working on is some optimizations with AWS, which is great. Our dev site was really slow for folks overseas. And so, you know, just little tweaks here and there to, to speed that up, make their life better. We finally have staging setup we okay. before we're just you know dev to prod yeah and and that was a little bit tough so finally set up staging which is going to be great from a workflow perspective you know the way we're handling this i'd be interested to know how you handle it but the way we're going to handle it is developers uh obviously are developing locally will push to dev responsible for testing their own changes on dev we expect dev to be semi-broken but you know generally functional if you break something fix it type thing but it's the developer who's responsible for that push and then once they're happy with it on dev they merge it into staging which then goes through a functional test suite basically that customer support and myself are are looking at and then i merge PRs into prod once they've been tested and signed off on. Nice. And re remind me, how many, how many devs do you have on the team? Uh, we have four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them are full-time. Right. So, well, well still, I shouldn't say that one is pretty full-time, but, but four total devs. 
but but that's that's the key there is you have four different people contributing to your code base and that's where you start to need to get that process i have the luxury still of for all intents and purposes it's still me and so we can still i can still get away with the dev straight to prod type of setup but that's that's going to need to change as as the team expands because you just you just need to have those checks and balances in place you have to and and we were just hitting a wall uh so but it's you know all these little things right that i just mentioned i mean none of them directly contribute to the business in a way that is visible or exciting so it's really hard just like with any type of that you know tech debt anything it's it's just it's so hard to make the time to to do these things there's never enough time yeah yeah but uh, the flip side of that is you just you just described it's going to improve the the flow that your developers are going to have the experience that they're going to have so in a, in a in a way yeah it doesn't directly impact your top line but it could just lead to better employee satisfaction and just a just a better process and so i think th- there's something to be said for those intangibles yeah, it, it has huge benefits. It's just a challenge to find where do you slot it in? Because yes. when we're doing these things, other things are not happening. Right. 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 And so that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's a conscious effort to, we are going to focus on this, this it's, it's housekeeping. It's, it's quote unquote boring things that, that aren't necessarily as exciting, but they're necessary things. And that's just... Yeah, it's it's you got you got to plan for it, you got to slot it in, and you got to make time for it. So kudos for doing that. Yeah, what's going on in in your world? What's going on with Text Retailer? So I kind of had a mini epiphany earlier this week. Uh, again, you know the 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 running theme is uh, new baby, and not that that I'm planning on taking a ton of paternity time, but there's going to definitely be a step away from the business. And I realized there are some things on my plate that I was planning on doing when I return that could probably get done now. And so I went out and I hired a developer contractor. So it's the first time that I've ever really hired a dev. I've had some help in the kind of more AWS space, kind of infrastructure space, but no. Yeah. I remember you had that DevOps. Yeah. 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 So no one, no one truly is a developer on the team. And I decided I'm going to do that. So the project that I have them working on, which I think is a good candidate because it's kind of a standalone project. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with the core product that we have, but one of the things that we're missing in our tools for merchants is a pop-up window for capturing emails and mobile numbers. So we provide an embedded form. So I, I have created an embedded form that they can easily drop into their, their website but they kind of have to build a separate page, manage the the marketing around that, and it's just a simple embeddable form. What I wanted to do, and this is what a lot of the SMS marketing platforms already have, so it kind of brings us into future parity, is allow that merchant to install a widget, which is a pop-up window uh, or a pop-up modal that will basically ask for their email address, for their their mobile number, and capture it in that way. So there's a lot of different parameters that the merchant can put in, you know, from a styling perspective, they can set the styles of the, the look and the feel of the, the pop-up, add custom images, add their logo, but they can also set some different parameters of how long is the delay on the before the pop-up shows up. Is it a time delay? Is it a percentage of scrolling down the page? And then we trigger this pop-up. And so a lot of different customizations that the merchant can do. But the basic idea is that this is going to be a 
just a, a widget that they can install with a block of code that we provide them. And then they can manage the widget, the look and the feel all through the administrative screen. So what this contractor is going to be doing is building the widget itself. So it's a very stand, you know, uh, separate module kind of concept. They're starting it from scratch and uh, just gives me an opportunity to, to get some work done while I'm not working. So I'm excited about that. So I want to dig into how you uh, hired and, and yeah. vetted the contractor. But before we do that, I'm really curious as to how you're working together now. You described the feature. How did you actually spec it out for, for the contractor to know what to do? I found the contractor through through Upwork. So that specking it out started with the actual description of the job. And so I tried to get fairly detailed with here's what I want to build. Here's the technology that's going to be used. So I specified that it's definitely going to be a Vue.js based JavaScript widget because that's what we build our administration in. And I wanted the same tech stack uh, for, for everything. So I specified that kind of gave just a rough outline of here's the concept. It's a widget. So it needs to be able to be loaded with a block of code that the customer can can just put onto their website. We need to be able to continually update the widget without them having to reinstall or re-update that code. So, I mean, it's it's kind of that same concept that you've seen a lot of other platforms provide. But frankly, it's not a lot of developers have done that type of work because it's fairly specialized and it's usually done in-house. So there was a lot of a lot of the developers that came back to me were just kind of like, oh, yeah, I have experience in Vue.js, but they never really had examples of an actual widget concept. And the few that I narrowed it down to gave examples of exactly what this widget concept of being able to install code on a third-party site and have, have it play nice with cores and be able to communicate with the parent website and, and, and our, our API. So the few that I was actually ended up talking to had experience with this particular thing. But as far as how I'm communicating with the, the the contractor now, I'm actually running everything through through Basecamp as far as a project outline, really detailed documents as far as here's what the the functionality should be, here's here's the API that you're going to interact with to pull that. That's one of the benefits that I have to kind of keep the scope a little bit tight is they're just working on the presentation aspect. So they don't have to do anything with our API. I'm providing all the API stuff for them. They don't have to touch our backend. They're literally just consuming that data that I'm providing for them. And so they're really just in charge of loading the widget, display aspects, the HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript, really front-end stuff. So, so I think that helped kind of reduce the scope. And so we'll see. I mean, it's it's honestly first week. I hired, it's, it's Friday now. I hired them on Tuesday. There is a time difference. They're actually located in Armenia, um, which I'm learning more about that country. So that's fun. So it's about a nine hour difference. And so, which the timing is a little bit tough, especially when you're trying to answer real time questions, there can be a big delay that's kind of sets you back a full day. So I'm hoping that that next week and the following week is when I really start to see some initial deliverables and to see if we're on track because I don't, Really, no, I, I speculate that we are, but until I actually see something that they can produce, it's hard to say. Yeah, and that's all you can really do. I mean, and there's always the saying of hire slowly, fire quickly, but I think yes. that applies much more to the W-2 world. In, in the I contractor agree. world, I think it's hire quickly and, and fire quickly if it's not working out. And the only way to really vet them is to 
throw them in exactly what you're doing. Here's a, a project that is standalone. It doesn't touch a bunch of other parts of the site. We're going to do our best to communicate, see how that works out. And in the end, you know, we'll judge the work. And if it stands up, awesome. Let's deepen this relationship. If it doesn't, or, you know, in some cases, there's red flags even before the deliverable comes. Right. It's just time to move on. And, and it's not a good fit for either party. I agree. And that's, and that's exactly how I approached this is I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the quote unquote interview process. I maybe, again, there were some clear favorites in the pool. I think there was maybe 25 applicants that submitted and I didn't leave the job open for long. I, I, I think I posted it Monday morning and then by Tuesday afternoon, I kind of had my decision. I wanted to give a full 24 hours, but there was enough candidates there that I'm like, you know, this, I think I have a pool that's big enough to, to make a decision off of. Had some pretty quick back and forth questions for my top three and kind of follow up. And then it's just, it's just a gut call. And like you said, it's, it's, let's just see where this goes. And there's a chance to burn some money. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the, the risk reward is a much different calculation than that W2, because that's a whole different ball game of, I, I don't know about you, but I just, I, it's gotta be a really, really bad hire to, to bring someone in on a W2, a full-time kind of thing. And then part ways two weeks later, whereas with the oh, contractor, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with the contractor, I, I've you never have had that, that happen. But, no, yeah. no. I mean, and hopefully you never do, but even like three months down the line, I used to have an old boss that said, everyone's great in their first three to six months. Every, every employee can perform really, really well in that first, uh, you know, th three months, maybe definitely that possibly even that first six months. And so after that, that you start to see maybe some of the challenges or so that they might not be the right fit. Yeah. We've talked about this in past episodes, but I mean, that is where I love the contractor model to bring in a mercenary who can perform a very specific function and who has honed their skills such that they're really, really good. Ideally. Yeah. You know, that's who you're yes. looking for. Right. And they know that they can deliver that at a high price and they're going to deliver it to lots of people. So it works out really well for them. And if it's not clicking with a specific client, I mean, that's the world of contracting and freelancing. So they're aware of that and ready to move on to somebody else. In the W-2 world, right, you are just, you're so committed. Lives are changing, right? You know, uh, a new job is a really big deal. It's one of the highest stress-related things along with moving, you know, death and illness. So, I mean, I guess the, what I'm saying is that there is as an employer, just so much more responsibility to vet upfront and make sure that it's going to be a good fit. Because if it's not, it's really bad for both parties. Right. Well, and I think inherently you you're approaching someone that's that's a W two is you want that to be a very long term relationship. And that's not to say that you can have the same thing with a contractor. I just think that's implied upfront that if you're hiring someone full time, that it's in both of your interests to to have it be a long-term uh, relationship. I'm holding out hope for for this contractor because looking at their skill set, they do they have experience not just on the front end with Vue.js, but they have experience in our entire tech stack. And so I'm really hopeful that this works out well because I have plenty of work <laughs> to throw his way, especially as we get into the actual core of text retailer and the core uh, code base. There's a lot of opportunities. So, so I'm hopeful and I would love for this to be a long-term relationship. It's just, 
for me, there's that safeguard that if the deliverables aren't there, you know, if he's not the right fit, he's not the right fit. And it's just a matter of being able to move on and, and find someone else. And eventually the hope is that you find someone else that is the right fit that you can move on long-term with. Well, that's exactly the way I've approached it and exactly the way it's gone. You know, we have our core developers now who are great and I see being on for the foreseeable future. And we have conversations about it regularly to make sure that we are in sync and that's what they want too. And we're constantly rotating other people in as well, using the exact same approach that you've described. Let's have a project that maybe has more flexible end date, isn't mission critical, is separate from the rest of the site and try out somebody on that. And sometimes it's worked and that's how they've rotated kind of into the core group. And sometimes it hasn't. Either they've delivered and, okay, fine, we can still make use of what they've got, but it's not a fit long-term or they're just not delivering at all. And we've burned, in some cases, you know, 10 grand. It's, it's painful, yeah. but yeah. it's part of the process. Yeah, and, and, and that definitely is, when you look at it in terms of, man, we lost so much on that particular contractor and it didn't work out. It can be easy to say, oh, contracting doesn't work. When I, and I think it can be a really, really great relationship for everyone involved. It's when you look at it in the lens of, well, what was your alternative? <laughs> you know, your alternative was to go down that W-2 path where there is a lot more risk from an employer perspective. I would also argue that there's a little bit more reward at the end too, because if you find that ideal W-2 employee, they're going to be able to do a deeper dive into your business and probably make more of an impact long-term. It's just, yeah. And so it's just, it's just getting to that point where you're either large enough as a company or mature as, as a company to be able to handle that, that responsibility, because there is a huge responsibility as you as an employer to be able to provide that training, to be able to provide that, that leadership. It's not the same thing as just saying, Hey, I have this really small project for you either can do it or not. It's, it's a, it's a much longer term, closer relationship. Yeah. You know, and I was of the mindset and we've talked about it before that I wanted to build this business purely with contractors. And, and I will say I'm coming off of that now. I think there are certain roles that that does not work well for. I was a little bit nervous about that even at the outset, but thought that yeah, it'll, it'll work out. Uh, one of those roles that I'm actively starting to recruit for now, and it'll be, it'll be a process, is a sales role, full-time sales role. And, you know, after giving it a lot of thought, I don't see any feasible way to do that with a contractor. So that will be for us a, a full-time hire. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense to, to really look at each individual role, because as much as we talked about the convenience and how good it is for, from an employer perspective to hire contractors, how, how, if it doesn't work out, you can just, you know, move on to the next one. It's a double-edged sword. The contractor can do the same thing, <laughs> you right. know, very right. easily. So, you know, let's say you do find that, that dream contractor, if they're just not interested in you as a, as a business anymore, or maybe their life circumstances has changed or whatever it may be, it's super easy for them to say, Hey, thanks. We'll see you later. And now you're left with, you know, having to fill a mission critical role. So I think it's smart to, to realize what are things that can work kind of in that more contractor built 
concept and those that have to be core competencies. And I think with you, with enterprise sales, that's got to be a core competency for your business because that is your pipeline. That is how you generate revenue. It's not only that, it's these are in enterprise sales, right? These are relationships that take a long time to yes. foster. The sales cycle is long and we just couldn't afford to invest in that and then have turnover, you know? Right. So, well, and not only that, but you don't want someone that's half in your business, half out, you know? So if they're only giving you 20 hours a week, and even if they're a full-time contractor, it's that, it's that they're, they're not fully in your, your space and you need someone because of the customer relations, because of the nature of the sales, you need someone that's all in on pipe tech and you're only going to get that with the W2. Yep. I, I, that's the same conclusion I came to, but that also means having a lot more prepared and, and ready. You know, they've got to come in with some marketing, for example, already set up. They've got to come in with a product that is easily describable and, and pretty darn fully featured. There's administrative stuff, obviously, that goes with the W-2. Things about benefits, all of that. So it's definitely... It's definitely a bigger pill to swallow. It's, it's a, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, you you as a business have to be prepared <laughs> for that, and it's going to take a lot of work to get to that that point because you want them to be successful. We want everyone that, that's on our team to be successful, and you got to have all of those tools ready for them to go. And so that's yeah. There's as always. There's always more to do. <laughs> there's always more to build. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny when we uh, when we started the podcast and and as we're kind of going through topics, I did not anticipate that we'd be talking about hiring as much as we are, but it is, uh, I mean, of course it's, it's the people who build the business. So it is so critical. And even if it is contractors and you're looking at a one man show and that's all you ever want, it's still something you've got to pay attention to. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I I've been surprised as well. I, I didn't really know when we first started, I didn't really know where text retailer would be and where it would grow to. And I think pipe tech was the same, same boat for you. It was, I don't say it was a side project, but it was, it was, you weren't all in on it at, at that point. And I still was, wasn't all in on text retailer too, because it was more of a, let's see where this thing goes. Let's get some traction. I have a theory that there's a need for this, but it really wasn't proven at that point. And I think both of us are in a much different space that, no, this is the thing that we're going to be working on for, you know, the next, I don't know, so many years to come. And it's, it's where we're putting a lot of our energy and you can't do it alone. And so, yeah, hiring and the type of people that you hire and the type of jobs that you fill, that's going to become uh, a big challenge because hiring is tough, <laughs> and especially in when you're hiring developers or those really great customer support people or a phenomenal salesperson, they're all in high demand and it's hard to find them. Yeah, absolutely. And it does take time and it's an investment that you, you have yes. to make. I, I will clarify one thing. I was always all in on Pipe Tech, but Pipe Tech Hub and uh, yes. the, whole, the whole SaaS Sorry. product is yes. uh, <laughs> just, just for the two customers out there that are listening right. and going, wait, wait a minute. This wasn't all in for me. <laughs> uh, but That's Pipe fair. Tech Hub has been the one that we've really gone all in on and, and have made the uh, hub of our, uh, our suite. Yes. Yes. No, that's, that's a good clarification. I have a quick tip 
that I just kind of picked up as far as job listings that I thought was really, really interesting. And this actually came through on the Tiny Seed Slack. And uh, it was one of the other companies that were in that's in the Tiny Seed program. I forget which year they are, but they've been in there for a while, but it's Scraping Bee. And I'll, I'll link to this job listing in the show notes. But I thought it was interesting. It's not really about how what the the sh- uh, what the the job listing is is about or what they describe. But when you scroll all the way to the bottom of their job listing, they have different instructions on how to apply for the job. And so higher up in the job listing, they say, "Hey, just send this email with this subject line if you want to apply." But then the last paragraph of the listing has completely different instructions, or right? it has a different subject line that people are supposed to do. And it's a small test to make sure that you're reading the entire application, have that attention to detail. And he sent a screenshot of all of the the, uh, applications that he's received through email. And it's surprising how few have those specialized instructions, that specialized subject line. And it's just a really easy check for him to say, you know, are these people taking taking the job listing seriously? Because when you you put out a list uh, or a job listing, and I saw this on Upwork too, it can be a shotgun approach that a lot of candidates are taking and they don't really read the listing. They see a few keywords, they send you their stuff and they're not a good fit. So I just thought that was a really neat tip and a neat way to kind of do some pre-screening in an easy way. That is great. Love it. I do that a little bit with Upwork listings and I always make sure to have those screening questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't answer the screening questions, that's that you're out. Yes. Because so many yes. people do that scattershot. Hey, here's Here's my resume and this cool VR site that I worked on. <laughs> it was okay. funny because one of mine was all the people promoting their their crypto stuff. You know, I, mm. I have a lot of experience in crypto and I'm just like, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anything against developers in the crypto space. It's just my project had zero to do with it. And so I don't care if you're a crypto developer, but that's not impressing me. And that's not what I'm looking for right now. And just... It's just a small tip to to know to, to to adjust your cover letter to the job at hand and not just shotgun it out because it's uh, yeah yep. What always it surprised me, I saw this new feature on Upwork, or at least it must be relatively new that candidates can boost their yeah boost their application. So it puts them at the top, specifies they're boosted. The most recent ad I put up, job listing I put up. I got like four or five boosted resumes. So they had paid to do this right. and they were completely irrelevant. They didn't take any time, all of them, any time to tailor it to what I was asking. They didn't answer the screening questions and yeah, they talked about crypto or whatever. And I'm like, I, I don't get it, but okay. Yeah, I saw that too. And I, I, I had to do a little bit of research on what that was because it, it, it seemed a little odd to me. And even if you're a great, I don't know, maybe I'm old school and I think if you're a great candidate, your cover letter is going to stand out on its own merits and you don't need to pay to get boosted to the top. But it, it definitely, I agree with you, the, the the ones that were boosted did not necessarily seem to match up with what I was asking for. And so maybe that's the thing where like, I don't know if Upwork is auto-submitting that to jobs and oh, that, that applicant's that not actually be. applying and it's just a way to easily get their applications out to a lot. Of, it just seems like a, not a great strategy from a candidate perspective. You could be right. Well, so, Sam, I think this is going to be our last one for a little while. 
unless yeah. we want you to be totally sleep deprived and <laughs> <laughs> nonsensical and <laughs> nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, so it's early May right now when we're recording this, I would be surprised if it's, it's probably going to be at least another four to six weeks before our listeners hear from us again. So yeah, we'll, we'll play it by ear, but I would imagine late June, Hey, maybe around by, by the 4th of July, I would think we'd definitely get back together and, and uh, give everyone an update and I should be back in the office at, at least part of the time. And, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to settle in and do the family stuff for a while. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon though, as, as soon as we can. Well, good luck. I'm, I'm excited for you. Um, Thanks. Maybe post, you know, post on Twitter if you're comfortable yeah, or something. Yeah. Let everybody know how it goes. And in the meantime, yeah, we'll catch up, uh, if not late June, early July. That sounds wonderful. Well, have yourself a good month, and uh, we will talk soon. And thanks, listeners, uh, for, for tuning in, and uh, hope to give you some updates uh, in the coming, coming months. We'll have a lot to talk about. Yes, we will. See ya.